podcast series that focuses on big data and analytics and the latest trends in the digital world. I'm your co-host, Jeremy Roberts, and with me always is Samir Khan. Hey, Samir. Hey, how are you doing? And what hello to all of our that? listeners as well. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> We're on video. Yay. Yeah. So excited about this. Um, today... Uh, we're actually going to be talking about some major analytics acquisitions in 2018. We're going to focus on five of these today. Five. Um, there's been quite a few. I, I would say maybe, Samir, I think you and I have identified, what, eight? Yeah, eight to ten. There are big ones. I mean, there's been eight. hundreds of them, but the big ones, you know, that goes into hundreds of millions and billions of dollars of acquisition, there are like about eight. Yeah, I mean, just to even go over the, the list, it's what, like Datarama, Visible, Cagentix, uh, um, SCIO Health Analytics, DataX, um, Axiom, right? Uh, Evolve Analytics, uh, July Systems, uh, Magento. The thing is, there's one thing in common, right? We've all noticed. I mean, you look through it. I started looking through the different sites, and I've noticed there's one thing in common, and it's the biggest thing, and I think that a lot of people still haven't got there yet. It's, it's data. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Visibility into data. But here's the funny thing is that, you know, I really think that the analytics market and marketing, marketing and analytics professionals are really still scratching the surface of what it means to take data and to analyze that data and use it properly and really understand what all that data means. You know? Yeah. And also start to feel like there is, if you look at the technology industry and specifically marketing technology industry, there is a cons- consolidation happening. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, at one point of time, we were looking into Scott Brinker's landscape for MarTech and saying like, hey, there are so many different technologies. What was a natural next step from there on is eventually they'll start to merge and consolidate among each yes. other because those that do not are not able to uh, get either become public or get their acquired by other large organizations. They have, uh, you know, they're, they're at risk. You know, they, they have to take that next action. They have to exit the market in a very successful way for their stakeholders, their shareholders, uh, and the people that are uh, currently working and owning these companies. Yeah, nobody's going to come to the market with a full suite, right? Nobody's going to come into the market, create a brand new MarTech technology. And we always talk about what? 2011, there's only 150 companies. 2018, almost 6,000 plus. I mean, it's insane. I mean, even Scott even says, we can't count them all. You know, there's so many yeah. out there that yeah. we can't. But the thing is, they're different uh, flavors, right? There's the ones like the Adobe's and the Salesforce's of the world that have everything. You buy a solution, you buy a suite. Then there's ones that are the intermediaries that connect all these things together. And mm-hmm. then the ones over here are the ones that just do a very specific thing. And I yep. think that when these founders created these businesses, they had an exit in mind. They're like, our only goal is to become very, very attractive for somebody to buy us. Yeah, no, I, I agree. That's yeah. exactly what we're going to look into is some of these have created and exploited the niche that were not necessarily honed mm-hmm. on by these big giants and they make themselves so flavorful and so attractive for these big companies that it was nowhere else to go but acquire these companies. And the thing is these people are... are, are identifying a niche that has really yet to be fully discovered. And, and you and I both know being ex IBMers is that, you know, this whole big play on Watson before Watson was mainstream, it was something that the marketing analytics space was looking at around understanding data 
you know, really getting insights into data. But now data is a part of every single thing. It's it, it's basically like the with the increase in IoT, data really is an element for everything. I mean, even look at the search landscape to where you can actually buy search ads now on Alexa in the Google Voice, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> you never yeah. would have thought that. It's you crazy. Vice in your home, and it's listening to what you're saying, even though you don't think it is, and you're able to run ads through that. So it's a little bit creepy, you know. It's amazing, creepy. Yeah, I, I sometimes tell my my kids to like, uh, you know, switch off the Google Home because you never know what it's listening to. <laughs> well, I keep on thinking, you know, what if I give it more information, it might give me the better selection when I ask it for something. That hopefully is the other thing. Yeah, hopefully yeah. it will. <laughs> Take 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 my data, and I mean I'm I don't need it. You can Make it meaningful. It. <laughs> Strip out the PII, though. Don't forget that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> do? Okay, cool. So let, let, we got five. Um, we'll, we'll go into these, and and really what we want to do here is we're going to talk about each one. We're going to say kind of Samir will talk briefly about who they are and why, but then we're going to try to brainstorm a little bit. And this is something that we'll organically come up with is this idea of what's in it for you guys. What does it really mean for you as marketers? And, and really real fast before we get into this. So this is definitely more in your landscape than mine, Samir. But when you walk into a company and you look at their marketing stack, their MarTech landscape within their company, how much of that stack is really pieced together through custom or even built-in APIs, or how much of it is basically solution-based where they're buying a, a unique solution from one provider? Uh, yeah, two different uh, perspectives. Like one, the first question that you asked, like how much of that uh, connected together, I would say usually is 30%. Uh, you know, it varies from like 20 to 30% uh, uh, of the technologies are integrated and talking to each other, and the rest 70% is not. And then the second part of the question, which is how much is relevant now from an end stand, from a marketing standpoint and the end user standpoint, like for them, everything is relevant, right? That's the reason why they're yeah, buying it yeah. because someone wanted to buy something in order to solve some type of problem. Um, mm -hmm. So every single piece of the technology is relevant from their perspective. But I feel like once you start getting into the whole marketing technology, architecture mapping and uh, strategizing, uh, connecting business objective to functional capabilities, then you end up finding out that at least 40% of the technology is uh, uh, not something that they either are prepared for internally to manage and use. Um, yes. They probably don't have the resources. They don't have the budget to continue using it. They don't have uh, the functionality to integrate that technology or the technology itself is not powerful enough to be integrating to the other piecemeal you know, products and services. So and that's why this like is so 40 important. 50% is not, not needed in the organization. Exactly. And, and, and that's why a lot of these... And that's why a lot of these acquisitions are so important that they're bringing those capabilities within these companies in order to best allow marketers to utilize the full potential without having to build that integration. Because as we know, when you go to IT and you say, hey, I want to integrate this tool into the other, they say, yeah, okay, we'll put that in our roadmap and we'll get to it in six months. And yeah. after that, it takes them six months. So a year goes by, everybody's gotten fired, your strategy has changed, and your budget has changed, <laughs> you never get down to doing it so and that's one of the big thing uh, is uh, although i like the fact that at least it's good for the companies these startup companies who have uh, made themselves favorable to these acquisition and they made a lot of money doing mm -hmm. process of acquisition i do think the statement that you mentioned that yeah once they get acquired by these big companies you have all you have to go through all the internal processes the internal 
you know, bureaucracy, internal steps and all the leadership and everything. And then to be, it's going to take a lot of time and effort to have this available to the end user. Uh, And now there are some companies that uh, excel at bringing in the acquisition and making it available to the end users. And there are some companies that suck at it, right? Yeah. Uh, They don't know how to manage it. Well, let's talk about the first one because I think the first example that we're going to give is, I would believe, of the top experts, one of the top experts in taking technologies and integrating them into the market. And this is really the Salesforce's acquisition of Datarama. Mm-hmm. Um, and so let's discuss who is Datarama. So Datarama is, uh, was a small company based out of Israel. Uh, you know, they're not that small, but they grew pretty fast. And one of the things that they became uh, specialized in, what they were, they were doing is when, when all the Power BI and the Tableau and all the DataWiz platforms, what they were doing is they were focusing and specializing on data visualization and not so much on intelligence. Although I love these data visualization technology because you absolutely need them. But what Datarama did, they said, okay, we're going to provide visualization capabilities, but we're also mm-hmm. going to have heavy focus on artificial intelligence. Now, a lot of people yes. talk about artificial intelligence. You know, it's the capability of data taking its own insights and doing something about it automatically, right? You know, mm-hmm. getting insights and automatically taking it to the next level and, business, uh, and, and building business intelligence. Uh, so they built on the artificial intelligence capability and they became specialized in database platform with true AI uh, capabilities. And that's what made them really attractive. Uh, and, and quite interestingly, Salesforce was already doing acquisition in Israel for quite some time, but this seemed to be like one of the largest one uh, that they did in Tel Aviv. Mm-hmm. Uh, so essentially, uh, you know, they acquired uh, data or Datarama for about $800 million. Uh, and what's also interesting is uh, you know, two things. Like one, it gives Salesforce the capability to expand its presence in Tel Aviv. Mm-hmm. And especially they're going to use uh, Datarama's office as a major development hub. Yep. And then secondarily, with this acquisition, uh, because Datarama was primarily focused on the marketing audience, with this acquisition, Salesforce is going to embed these uh, artificial intelligence capability in their marketing cloud product, which is yes. absolutely phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And 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 with this, you know, this this whole consolidation, you know, really what it's doing, it's just it's building that cohesive structure, that cohesive platform that allows marketers to really go in and just plug and play. You know, you know, most people that use Salesforce love the CRM capability as the base core of everything. And have that ability to go in there and just kind of click through and look at all the different things that they're doing and be able to say, you know what, I love that feature. I love that capability. Let me add this in. And now the fact that you're bringing in this type of visual AI, you know, it, it really doesn't get better than that. You know, yeah. the, the, the thing is, I mean, if you think about it, I think the biggest barrier to entry for most people is just learning how to effectively use it. You know what I mean? I think most people think, great, I want to get a tool that's, that has AI. But the problem is, what's what's the worst part about AI? It's mm-hmm. like anything, crap in, crap out, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and, and, and how, what does it mean for at the end of the day? Like, what does it mean to the business to be using an artificial intelligence technology? Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it's a buzzword right now. 
but what I really like about Datorama is they have taken the buzzword and they have converted that to actual business case mm-hmm. uh, and business use case, right? So I, I feel it, the first statement that you mentioned, like Salesforce is definitely one of the companies that takes and ingests third-party technologies and converts them to end-user applications. Uh, so that I feel really good about this acquisition because they're going to be one that's going to take uh, the uh, you know technology from Datorama and start providing that to their uh, marketing cloud products and services. So people that are using marketing cloud services, so kind of you know getting to the what's in it for the listeners. People are using marketing cloud services. They are going to be benefiting from this uh, intelligence, this artificial intelligence exactly. to make some data decisions out of it, the, to extract data and to drive meaningful insights, to have some intelligence built on their day-to-day uh, usage of the marketing cloud solutions. What, what I think really is going to do, it's actually there's going to be a, a large increase in consultants, onboarding consultants, technical consultants for all these different things because everybody wants to use AI, but mm-hmm. nobody knows. I like that. And it's not I something like that. that's going to go in, in and just you know, tinker with, <laughs> yeah. you don't, you don't just tinker with it. You have to have somebody come and teach you how to use it. And the biggest thing that we always talk about is if you want to be a great analytics professional, you got to learn how to translate data into business use cases and exactly what Absolutely. you're talking about. Yeah. Bar none. Because Bar none. if you're just reading numbers and you say, regurgitate those numbers in a meeting, <laughs> everybody in the room is going to say, why could I read that myself? <laughs> what? Yeah. And that's, that's one of the challenges, like, you know, when you think about building complex uh, models and building mm-hmm. sophisticated models and having that available, uh, what's, what's really important is how do you take this model and apply to the business so they can be yes. productive, they can be profitable, they can expand, uh, they can prevent churn, like all these powerful use cases that the business today in the competitive environment need, if they're mm-hmm. being solved, by using model, then the model makes more sense. Artificial. Well, I, yeah. yeah. I, talk, I talk about it like using talking to the four horsemen in the room, right? Marketing, sales, product, and finance. If you can't translate that AI data into uh, something that those four groups of people can understand, you basically just wasted your money. You're, you're paying for a tool that you can't even um, translate. Translate, yeah. So, yeah, okay, cool. So let's go to number two. Here's a one by Marketo. You and I are both big fans of Marketo. You and I actually, I think we, our first, I think you and I's first uh, interaction with marketing automation was with Marketo. Marketo, yeah. Yeah, great tool. Um, so they acquired a, another product that you definitely are fond of. And I know this is something you want to really talk about is uh, Visible. And we actually had those guys on too. And they're fantastic people. So let's talk about that one. So Visible acquired Marketo. Uh, Marketo acquired Visible. Uh, yeah, I'm so sorry, yeah, uh, yeah, Marketo, another yeah. very big acquisition that happened. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Visible. I've talked. Yeah. To them. we have had people from Visible uh, in on our podcast as well. Exactly. Now, what I really like about Visible and you know the the powerful uh, touch point measurement capabilities, the powerful attribution capabilities that they offer, and the fact you know the smartness that they brought to the table was to be integrating to Salesforce. And what it made is it made the combination of digital data and offline data possible, which yes. was possible before visible. Like most of the analytics, digital analytics provider, they were specializing in building attribution mainly on the digital analytics uh, capabilities. 
mm-hmm. you know, you name it. And what Visible did is they said, okay, instead of we're relying on building digital analytics capabilities and attribution around it, we're going to leverage the solution, the CRM solution like Salesforce that is using, you know, that is used by a large number of companies around the world. And yep. we're going to build the attribution capabilities on that. So now marketers can literally look at the interaction between offline and online journeys. They can, cre- they can give credit to the different marketing channels and understand the ROI impact of different marketing channels. It doesn't matter if they're online or offline. No, I agree. So uh, let's do this. And, and this is something we frequently do on our podcast. Let's break it down to make sure that everybody understands what we're talking about. When we say combining online and offline in the attribution you know, there's different types of attribution, right? There's first click, last click, there's linear, you know, there's different things. And we're talking about online and offline. What is the difference between that? Because we don't want to confuse people. Yeah, no, that's a great point. So for example, let's say if we're, if we're using the standard digital analytics platform, uh, you know, one, one of them uh, that we used to work on is called IBM Core Metrics, right? Yep. So what it does is uh, it allows you to measure the first interaction that the user has. So let's say someone is on Google, they search for a particular product, they click on a PPC ad, they come to the website, they don't make a purchase, they go back and like tomorrow they uh, search the same product on uh, Google and they now they don't click the PPC ad, they click the organic search listing and they come and purchase the product. So in this case, we have two different channels, PPC and organic search as a mm-hmm. part of the attribution journey. So if I were to say, okay, what is my first click interaction? PPC would be the first one that will get 100% of the credit for this sale. Yeah. Uh, if I would say last click, then organic search will get uh, the, the, the credit for the sale. And if yeah. I use uh, a, you know equal weighted model, then they'll both get credit, equal credits. But that's only online journey, right? Mm-hmm. What, if, what if in that scenario, the second time they came from an organic search, but then after a few weeks, uh, they uh, apparently landed up in a trade show event that is yep. hosted by this company. And yep. now they're in the trade show. They have not been a customer yet. Uh, and mm-hmm. they come to the trade show. They have a really good conversation with a subject matter expert. And, um, you know, that they motivates scan their badge. Yeah, right? they scan their badge. And now they get motivated to buy the product. Uh, so there you go. We have an offline touch point. So before, without Visible, you can only get the first two pieces of the puzzle. Now, yep. what Visible does is because now they have scanned the badge, the data is available in Salesforce, Visible is going to go back and stitch the journey between PPC, organic, and trade show to tell you the whole story. Like, hey, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you guys are only focused on the digital side of thing, but there is a huge component that the SME conversation that happened in this trade show that helped them convert uh, mm-hmm. to uh, a customer. So that's absolutely critical. You know, you probably want to give bonus to that SME because of that. Uh, yeah. And, you know, probably hire more SMEs and provide them in, in, in these uh, trade shows because they pay, play a critical role. So, so that's what this uh, whole offline and online journey integration is. Completely, completely understand it. And, and the thing is, is that I really challenge one of our listeners to come back and tell me, give me an example in a B2B world where somebody visited your website the first time and in that one time they became a customer. Yeah, never going to happen, right? Never, never ever, ever, ever. I mean, even if you want to buy candy, you go to the store and what do you do? You go up and down the aisle like five times, you go to the next aisle and then you come back, you pick up one and you, eh, you put it back and you keep on trying. People do this as a natural buying behavior. So yeah, totally. it's a great one. Okay. So what's in it for listeners? We talked about that. Let's go to number three. This is our buddies Accenture. Accenture, huge company, right? 
So they purchased this company, um, make sure I pronounce it correctly, Cogentix, correct? Mm -hmm. Cool. So let's talk about Cogentix. Yeah, so Cogentix is uh, like we were talking about Datarama. Datarama specializes in AI specifically for marketing mm -hmm. intelligence. Cogentix is a broad set AI and big data companies. And they offer a wide variety of uh, data services. Like, for example, yes. they offer uh, products and services to help build, manage, and deploy artificial intelligence applications. Uh, their offering extends all the way from data connectors, data adapters, governance, rules, model management, the whole enchilada. Uh, so it, what's fascinating about Cogentex is they were just, they came into existence in 2015. Mm -hmm. And what was amazing is within a matter of like three to four years, it grew to 200 employees. So they, they definitely did something right. And yeah. Accenture immediately noticed this and they were like, okay, in order for us to extend our uh, applied intelligence capability you know, for their services and consulting offering, it may, makes a logical sense to bring in this partner that has already built sophistication and technology around the big data and analytic component. Uh, you know, so that's what happened. You know, they, they, Acquired Cogentix for an undisclosed amount, and uh, you know the rest is history. You say. And the thing is, if you think about it, you know, I'm looking at the article, um, you know, that that Accenture put out, and they're saying, you know, one of the biggest reasons why is that um, looking at the different companies, their analytics applications are, you know, putting companies that have been doing this for years before mm -hmm. them, you know, out of business. Or they're making, they're, they're taking their market share and these guys are giving a run for the money. So there's got to be something special about what they do. You know, I, I'm not really. Yeah. And, and the speciality is uh, one of the things that they do well is they're sort of like your A to Z shopper on data. So their premises, uh, instead of trying to worry about trying to fix the code and developing new code, uh, mm -hmm. you as a data scientist, focus on building insights and business applications uh, and lightning speed. So, you know, because they're providing you the connector adapters, data services, governance rules, and modeling services, they're kind of one-stop shop for all of your data needs. Uh, mm -hmm. And it is, from my understanding, at least learning initially about the Cogentex is their, their offering is, you know, we, I, I don't like to use the word seamless across different businesses, but for them, it seemed to be seamless because once you ingest the data, you are you're bound to create those application at lightning speed. Well, I'm looking at the 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 article, and they're talking about Cogentix, founded in 2015, has a team of nearly, and this is big, a team of nearly 220 big data engineers, data scientists, machine learning engineers, and software developers. That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, that that's that's a lot of horsepower on the data side. <laughs> you, you, you're definitely right about that. Yeah, and um, one of the things that Accenture might be doing is it's you know they're picking up the cream of the crop from it when it comes to data and intelligence professional by acquiring. Yes. So it's not just technology; it is also the people that comes behind it. That's exactly Talent. what happened with the the Marketo and Visible uh, merger or, or acquisition. Mm -hmm. Is when I talked to some of the Visible guys and said, you know, one of the primary things that Marketo is doing is they're acquiring these intelligent folks who built this uh, great company. Exactly. So you're, you're, you're buying talent and that's a big exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So let's go into number four. This is something, I guess, uh, more near and dear to my very heart. Very close um, to your heart. <laughs> very close to my heart, right? So um, as we all know, Adobe recently acquired the e-commerce platform Magento. Well, well there's an even bigger story than that. Adobe recently acquired Jeremy Roberts 
Thank you. Yeah. Who had their uh, uh, customer uh, subject matter expertise uh, on the data analytics side, which is also a big acquisition. <laughs> Congratulations, Jeremy. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Very exciting stuff. Um, yeah. So enough about that. I'm not getting paid <laughs> to talk about that. Right? But it, so uh, the thing is, this one's different. Magento is very different from the three we talked about before. We talked about Datarama, Visible, uh, Cogentix. These are all primarily AI and data, data providers. Yeah. So the thing is, why is Adobe not going that route? Why are they going to an, a more of an e-commerce platform? And I really think it's a play on Salesforce. I really think it's a play on them really trying to find, you know, something to complement what they do best. And, and we all, as we all know, it's almost like saying, I don't need facial tissue. I need Kleenex, right? Mm -hmm. It has a brand name to where, you know, when you talk about Adobe, you say, hey, I need Photoshop, right? Or I Photoshop this thing. It's a brand name. They've killed that market. One of the things they have yet to do is really incorporate e-commerce into their platform. You know, really, as you're talking about, the, there's this seamless integration now with, uh, you know, um, the Adobe Experience Cloud, delivering a single platform, talking about order management, supply chain, all these different things. So I think it's an, an absolutely fabulous. Um, and, and what's really insane about this acquisition is you, you and I go a long way with Magento, right? That was one of the platforms and during Arackspace days mm -hmm. that we were really building relationship with and trying to fig figure out a strategy to get more business from Magento, uh, Magento Commerce. So, you know, just to let our mm -hmm. listeners know, like if they don't know about Magento, is like Magento is a leading provider of e-commerce platform. Uh, one of the big things that they did is they open sourced the whole e-commerce uh, platform. Uh, so they have like a 300,000 strong community of developers worldwide, a very powerful ecosystem, partner ecosystem. Yes. And the biggest thing is the acquisition itself is also extremely big it's like 1.6 billion dollars yeah. uh spent by uh, adobe or at least that's what they decided to spend to acquire magento it's like huge big numbers and big you know it, it's like one of the most i would say for this year uh this could top very well you know uh, uh be a contra controversially like this could be one of the biggest acquisition of this year from when it comes to marketing technology acquisitions and well, e-commerce technology acquisitions look at their full suite so let's do a head-to-head -head comparison of salesforce right versus adobe right now you know obviously i'm a little bit biased so i'll probably let you do um more of the conversation here so i don't get in trouble <laughs> right <laughs> but if you think about it what is salesforce's core capability what is everything primarily built around crm CRM and what do they do? What do they, what do they promote after that? They promote analytics, right? Tied to the CRM. And then what else do they promote? Right. Advertising. AI, uh, yeah. AI advertising, uh, with the acquisition of exact target, uh, you know, Pardot, all of that, like whole marketing cloud is also uh, something that they're focusing on, which is mainly focused on email management, email marketing. Uh, yeah. And then, so you look at Adobe, most people think Adobe is really built on this idea of their creative cloud, right? Experience. Yeah, I think. But it's experience. It's, it's But really more so experience, it's content. Because as we all know, content drives, content drives a business and great content with a great experience really is what drives their business. So they have then, they, they, core, they have their um, core base on content. And then after that, they build analytics around it, right? They build campaigns around it. Um, and then after that, they said, hey, well, everybody that typically uses us usually has an e-commerce platform. Let's build that together. 
Yeah, and I think if you look at it at a very basic level, when you think about Salesforce, you think of sales. When you think of Adobe, you think of experience, right? Yes. At, at a very basic level. Uh, 100%. So when, yeah, so whenever a company is all about like, hey, I want to drive sales, uh, that's why I'm quickly thinking about like, hey, I need Salesforce. And, you know, I need their- Buzzwords like lead, prospect, MQL, right. SQL, all yeah. like end user. Exactly, the whole marketing ops component. And right. then when you think about, like, I really want to retain this customer for a lifetime and I want to create memorable experiences, that's when you think about Adobe. You mm -hmm. know, it, it's a different, even though they're playing in the same playing field, but they're using a different strategy uh, to sell their products and services, which is pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, a little bit different from the rest of the list, but absolutely fantastic. And Adobe's cool. Yeah. Should have worn yeah. Adobe shirt cool. today. <laughs> right. Awesome. So, okay. Last one, and then uh, we'll let you guys go. Last one is Equifax. We all know what happened recently with this whole, you know, um, hacking of, of personal, you know, personal databases and all that stuff. Everybody's in it. So Equifax buys specialty reporting agency DataX. So let's talk about that one. Yeah, so DataX, uh, so a little bit of background. It, generally, mm -hmm. if you look at the credit scores, they're primarily good for people, uh, you know, when you, when you go shop around for loans or things like that or financial instruments, uh, your credit score is checked. And, yep. you know, one of uh, three out of one, it's like Equifax is going to be the one that's the major provider of credit score. Exactly. Now, Equifax has its own intelligence and data capabilities to help score individuals based on their financial acumen or financial, uh, you know, instruments that they own and the financial capabilities where they really didn't have the sophistication was subprime areas. And what is subprime? Subprime is basically consumers or customers who do not have a, a strong financial background. Yes. Lack certain aspects of financial uh, capabilities. And so that's where data X comes in and data X have been thriving in that area because they provide credit information for individuals who have uh, financial issues to the subprime housing market. So well, let's also, let's also call it the alternative. And I think this alternative, is, yeah. and so, and I think the, the terminology that they want to use, and I'm on Equifax's website, so they talk about it as one of the fastest growing alternative data reporting agencies. Because exactly. in their minds, they don't want to talk about, you know, low credit score or low income or low anything. You know, for them, it's a little, it's a little bit more PC. But, yeah, and I think yeah. you know, I feel like you know, it's a simple example is uh, if you go and try to buy a car, right? And if yeah. you, if your credit is good, you know, you're gonna probably get a loan and you buy the car. Uh, but if you're trying to buy a car, if your credit sucks, or if you some five hundred or something like that, yeah, yeah, then some of these uh, auto uh, sellers they come up with a new strategy. Uh, to give you credit based on some other criteria, like you know mm -hmm. your bank account verification could be one of them. How much risk mm -hmm. uh, that you bring to the table that could be one of them. Is your ID accurate or not? So that's where yeah. DataX comes in, right? So that's where they help you. Uh, so instead of reaching to your experience score and getting all of the data, the automobile seller will probably use something like DataX and try to see like if this. If if they are not meeting the original criteria, can they meet this alternative criteria? And we can exactly. Still sell it. Like, for example, there, there's even a, a use case. I remember going to a TEDx IBM conference and they talked about utilizing a, a type of credit score functionality to help 
identify people who had the potential to to get credit, right? Mm-hmm. But in 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 a in a suburban Africa, right? In in the villages and stuff. And what do they use? They use um, phone. Uh, was that phone payments? They're able to look at cell phone payments to see if if somebody was consistently using phone payments and That's making a very those good phone, example. Yeah, making phone payments in full, then they were to say, oh yeah, they have the ability to pay in cash or whatever means possible to be able to make these payments. They should be able to qualify for something in the same way that Data X has had some type of ingenuity to find those alternative ways, you Perfect. know, to be able to yeah. So it, it's. Brilliant, brilliant. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm sitting there thinking, man, these these great ideas. I wish I came up with something and sold it. For it. Yeah, that's <laughs> no, amazing. And, and yeah, so uh, so that's I think from from a listener standpoint, what this means is, uh, you know, if someone wants to utilize, uh, you know, going forward, Equifax have, will have the capability to expand its credit scoring offering to people who originally were not a part of that. Uh, so we'll yeah. make them much more powerful in terms of credit scoring by this acquisition. Fantastic. So that concludes our list. So Datarama, Visible, Cogentix, Magento, and DataX. So that yeah, for us are five major analytics acquisitions of 2018. And this has been fantastic. I love the new video. It's fun. Actually, yeah, let's, to... let's get it out on YouTube quickly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We are running into some technical challenges, but we'll, we'll, we'll be there very soon. Exactly. And thank you again. We love the questions. We love the insights. We love it when you guys say, hey, I really want to hear this topic. Hey, we're down. As long as it's a cool topic. Right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cool. Well, thank you again, Samir. This is always fantastic. And uh, we'll see you guys again. See you guys. Thank you. Thank you.